Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Colossians chapter 4. Colossians 4, we're going to begin our reading at verse 2, reading through verse 6, and our focus tonight being on verses 5 and 6. Colossians 4, beginning at verse 2. What we hear now is God's Word. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how how you ought to answer each person. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we are in in that last section of Paul's letter to the Colossian church, uh, Paul's final instructions to the church. Last week, we looked at his instructions on prayer, uh, that we are to continue steadfastly in our prayers, we are to be watchful in our prayers, and pray that God might open a door for us to speak the gospel. Tonight, we're looking at the second set of instructions, um, which I would call instructions on witnessing. And I, I particularly use that word witnessing rather than evangelism. Evangelism is to tell someone the good news about Jesus Christ. Witnessing is a broader word. It has to do not only with what we say, but with what we do. We can decide whether or not we are going to evangelize. But we cannot decide whether or not we will be a witness. No matter what we do, we will witness to our understanding of who Jesus Christ is. We will either witness to his benefit or to his detriment. We can choose whether or not to evangelize, but we cannot choose whether or not we will be a witness to our God. Tonight we talk about instructions on witnessing. Paul says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Walk in wisdom. The way we live is to be characterized by wisdom. Now you remember, children, we said that wisdom wasn't simply being smart, being intelligent, knowing all the answers. Wisdom is more than being smart. Wisdom is applied intelligence. It is knowing how to get along in life. That's the nature of wisdom. This is how we are to live. Being wise, knowing how to apply the knowledge that we have. And this was Paul's prayer for the church. Remember this? It's been a number of weeks ago now. Paul's prayer for the church in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. He says this, And so from the day we heard... 
We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That our witness, that our walk, might be a blessing to those around us. Wisdom is applied truth. It is taking the truth of the knowledge of the law of God and how do we live that out in our lives. Paul went into great detail in that in chapter 3, talking about wives and husbands and parents and children, all these ways to apply the law of God. And he's saying now, that should be the character of your life, walking in wisdom. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders in particular, he says. Remember at this time when Paul's writing, uh, the church was being maligned. The church was being slandered. They were at times called atheists because they worshipped a God who could not be seen. People thought they were atheists. They were referred to as unpatriotic because they would not offer sacrifices to the rulers. They were spoken of as cannibals because they said that they would eat and drink the body and blood of Christ. The church was being maligned. The church was being slandered. And to counter those arguments, Paul says, you counter those arguments in the way that you live, in your walk. Their lives were to be an answer to the charges. Living in a way that was consistent with their confession. Today, one of the most common excuses people give for not going to church, there are a number that are given, one of the most common excuses is that the church is full of hypocrites. They confess one thing and they live something completely different. Paul says, walk in wisdom. A consistent application of the Word of God in our lives. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. In many ways, our walk is our witness. Either that walk will be a walk for God or a walk against God. Our walk is our witness. And perhaps for some of us, our witness may be the only witness that our neighbor, that our co-worker sees. If they are not connected with any church, but they know that you are a Christian, what they see in you may be the only witness to God that they see. Everything they know about God, they will learn from your walk. In many ways, the messenger is the message. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. And again, as he said earlier, worthy of the calling we have received. We have been called as children of God. That is to be the character of our walk. Our walk is to witness to the fact that God is our Father. 
and we desire to bring glory to our Father. This letter to the church comes to all of us. It comes to us as young people. In, in this particular time of our life, in our teenage years, uh, our walk is our witness. When our kids used to, to be in those years and, and go out, there'd be two things we'd say to them before they leave. We'd say, remember who you are and make good choices. Remember who you are and make good choices. Make your walk be consistent with who you are. Young people, either you are a witness for Christ or you are a witness against Him. You cannot choose, but you will be a witness. We think of that as children. Children, you are called to witness to who God is. You will, you will demonstrate this witness as you're maybe um, with your mom in the grocery store and you're shopping and you're, you're going along and you decide that you want a particular candy bar and you say, Mom, can I have a candy bar? And, and she says, no, but you keep whining about it and whining about it and whining about it. That's a witness to those around us. It will talk about the way you speak to your parents. You'll witness either for God or against God. In, for all of us in our workplace will be a witness. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, verse 23 of, of chapter 3. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Our work will be our witness. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Uh, making the best use of the time, not the not the greatest translation here, perhaps a better translation, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Buying back the time. Uh, redeeming, we think about things like um, um, uh, redeeming a coupon. And some people, some people can make the most of a coupon. Um, you know, my wife goes to three-way thrift store, uh, at least weekly, and she'll go in, uh, and it'll be, you know, yellow tag day, so she looks for the yellow tag stuff, and she's got her receipt from last time, so there's a coupon on it. And then she's got a $5 off as well. They owe her money when she gets to the cash register. She can make the most of every coupon that she has. Making the most. We are in our walk to make the most of the opportunities God gives to us. Actively looking for opportunities to be a good witness unto him. We'll be a witness no matter what, but actively looking for opportunities to be a good witness. Perhaps that means reaching out to others who are in need, coming alongside them, encouraging them, praying with them. We will make the most of every opportunity. We'll make the most of the time God has given to us, redeeming that time, buying back that time. We might be a witness, a good witness to who he is. Witnessing involves wisdom in our walk. It involves grace in our talk. In many ways, though, it is our walk which gives us the opportunity to talk. I think it was um, Spurgeon who said, uh, people 
do not know, excuse me, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. People will not care how much you know until they know how much you care. When we have that consistent walk in wisdom, witnessing positively to who God is, it leads to opportunities to have grace in our talk. Paul says this, make your speech always gracious. Let your speech always be gracious. Now that means a couple different things. It means, uh, on a very basic level, the words that we use will be grace-filled words. We will speak kindly to each other. Proverbs says our words should be like apples of silver in settings of gold. Not, not words that are harsh, not words that are unloving. How would someone describe the way you talk? Would they say, you know, his words, her words, they always seem so well-measured. They always seem so gracious, even when we disagree. We can disagree in a way that, that they just speak with a certain grace. Not harsh, not, not unkind, but a graciousness. Let your speech always be gracious. Beyond simply the words that we use, the content of what we say. God's grace is to have a place in our speaking. Remember, that's Paul's point. He's telling them how to be, um, as a church, those who will engage those, those around them. We, we talked about this last week. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful, being thankful. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Pray that we might have an open door for ministry. And when we have that open door, we have to speak of the grace of God. Speak the grace of God in a gracious way. Can you, can you graciously declare the gospel? If one of your coworkers said to you, can you tell me what the gospel is? What would you say to them? Have you thought about that? What words would you use? Are you ready? We pray this prayer, Lord God, open a door, but are we ready to have grace in our speech? And he says, let your speech always be gracious. This is to be our habit. This is to be the pattern of our lives as we look for opportunities to talk about God. Now, to always be gracious, to always be ready to speak, it's, it's a habit, and many times habits take practice. We have a habit because we do things again and again. Um, and you think about that maybe when you're learning to drive a car. Um, I have survived teaching four children uh, how to drive a car. And, uh, and when they begin, there's so much to think about. You know, you got the gas pedal and you got the brake pedal. Maybe there's a clutch down there as well. And you got the steering wheel and you got the gear shift and you got the wipers and you got the lights and all these. And you got to look this way and that way and all these things. It's bombarding you. But the more they do it, the more they practice. Uh, they can learn to get in the car. They can handle themselves very, very well. Uh, it, it's not easy at first. But the more we do it, the more natural it becomes. 
We talked about that last week with our prayer life. The more we spend time in prayer, the more natural it will become. And the same is true when we talk about grace in our talk. The more we tell others the gospel, the better we will get at telling others the gospel. It takes practice. We have to do it again and again. And if you want to practice, a great place to practice is at home with your children or with your grandchildren, telling them the gospel. This is a great place to practice. How would I describe to someone who is very new to the faith, a very simple understanding, how would I describe to them? Well, I will tell my children the gospel, developing the habit, getting good at it. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Now, salt is a beautiful biblical picture given to us throughout the scriptures. There are many things we could say about, about uh, speech that is seasoned with salt. Just two things to think about tonight in terms of our speech seasoned with salt. One, salt is a preservative. Salt prevents corruption. And so when Paul says, let your speech be seasoned with salt, may it be that which does not tear down, which corrupts, but that which prevents corruption, that which builds up, building each other up in the Lord. Our words of encouragement to each other. And again, this starts at home. Children, how you talk to your brothers and sisters is it that which builds them up or that which tears them down? How do we speak at home? It, parents, how do we speak to our children? When we have to discipline our children, do we do it in such a way that we're not tearing them down, but we are in fact building them up through the discipline process? Your speech must be seasoned with salt, that which preserves, that which builds up, that which edifies. Salt is a preservative. And salt is an additive. Salt gives flavor. Salt is a seasoning. Maybe kids, sometimes your mom uh, will make you a meatloaf for supper. And uh, you go to the supper table and uh, the meatloaf is there and you're so thankful because mom has once again made a meal for you and, and she serves you the meatloaf and you take your first bite of that meatloaf and you say, you know, mom, I'm really, really thankful you made me this meatloaf, but it, it doesn't have a lot of flavor to it. And mom says, well, just put a little salt on it. Just put a little salt on it. And you put a little salt on your meatloaf, and suddenly you go, oh, mother dearest, this is the most wonderful meatloaf I've ever tasted in my life. That salt makes all the difference. It adds seasoning. It makes it more enjoyable. Our speech is to, that, is to be that which is a blessing to those around us, which, which makes things more enjoyable. Our speech about Christ, our speech about his church. How do we talk about the church of Christ? How do we talk about our church? Would the things that we say about our local church be that which would attract someone to come? Now, if we have disagreements with the local church, there's certainly a place to discuss those with the elders. But if you're talking with someone in general about our church, would your description of our church be enticing to them? 
Would they say, you know, that, that's a place I want to go. Your, your, your speech is so seasoned with salt, it makes me so desirous that I want to go and to worship at your church. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you might answer each person. So you might know how to give an answer to anyone who asks you a question. Now that assumes, that assumes they're going to ask you questions, which goes back to the fact that our walk begins, or is the first step. Once they see our godly walk, they'll say, why do you live like that? Why do you do the things you do? Our walk, our witness in our walk, leads to the grace in our talk, to be able to answer those who ask us the questions. When's the last time someone asked you, why do you live the way you do? Maybe, maybe we go to work um, on Monday morning and we say, oh, it was such a wonderful weekend. I had a great weekend. They say, well, what did you do? Well, I was so refreshed because I went to the house of God. We tell them why we have the hope within us. Are we able to answer questions about the church? And I don't mean just you know, deep theological questions, but very basic questions. Someone asks you, where is your church? You know, I always say, well, it's at the corner of Riverside and Mountain. Just go a little bit west. But you have to have an answer ready. Where is your, what's our church's, church's address? Maybe, maybe, um, what's our church's email address or, or, or website address? You, you say to your colleague, your, your coworker, oh, oh, you won't believe it. I heard the most fantastic sermon yesterday. It was exegetically sound. It was practical. It was the best sermon I've ever heard. We had a guest preacher. It was wonderful. And they say, well, I want to hear that too. Do you know our website address and how to direct them to where to find a sermon? Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks the question. And of course, if they ask more fundamental questions, he was talking about the gospel. What is the gospel? Do we have an answer for that? The gospel is so simple. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. We simply tell people what God has done for us. Our witness to Christ sets the stage for evangelism, sets the stage for the words that we will say. Our walk leads to our talk. And you say, but what if they ask me something I don't know? Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. People ask me questions all the time. I go, I don't know. Give me time to study that. I'll get back to you, or, or even better, if someone asks you a question, say, let's study this together and find the answer to your question. Um, where's your nearest Bible? Now, we have great opportunities now with our phones and Bible apps. You can pretty much always have the Bible with you. Uh, but if they like, you know, a hard copy, where's your nearest Bible? Do you keep it in your car? Do you keep it in your desk? Where's the nearest Bible? So you can walk through the scriptures with them to show them the gospel. And this, this letter, remember, is written to the church. It's written to everyone in the church. Um, it's not written just to the ministers. You know, if you have a friend and you bring them to church, don't just bring them to the minister or to the elder. This is your friend. You will be the one who will witness to them, who will evangelize them. 
God gives us this instruction that the church might, might be a blessing to those outside the walls of the church. We exist not simply for our own upbuilding, but we, we get strong so we can minister to other people. Paul gives instructions to the church. Instructions on prayer, instructions on witnessing. We will be a witness no matter what. Either a witness for the sake of Christ or against Christ. He calls us to be wise in the way that we walk. That's where our witness begins. And that is the entrance to having grace in our talk. We need to be in prayer that God would use us, that we might make the most of the time, that he might open our mouths to tell the very simple truth we know, the glory of the gospel. Jesus saved me by grace. Oh, may God use this passage to give us instruction on our witnessing. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for your holy word, a word that gives us encouragement, a word that calls us to a greater faithfulness. You have called us, O oh God, to continue steadfastly in our prayers, to be watchful and to be thankful. And you've called us to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Oh, Lord God, if we have failed to do that, we pray that you would forgive us for not being a good witness to who you are. As people look at our lives, may you, O oh God, continue to work in us by your Holy Spirit. We might be a good witness unto you. They might ask the questions, why do you live the way you do? And then, Lord God, open our mouths with speech that is always gracious, speech that is seasoned with salt, that we might know how to answer the questions that are put toward us. And all of this, O oh God, not so we make a name for ourselves, but so you might be glorified. Your church might be built up. Lord God, that is our prayer. Hear us for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to 404 in the Psalter hymnal. 404. Lord, speak to me that I may speak in living echoes of thy tone. As thou hast sought, so let me seek thine erring children, lost and lone. O oh, teach me, Lord, that I may teach the precious things thou dost impart, and wing my words that they may reach the hidden depths of many a heart. We're going to sing all five verses, 404, and let's stand together as we sing.
receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.